Welcome to Him for Her Radio, women's hot topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Shug Burry. What happened if you say what you want to say? Sugbury, and you are listening to Him for Her Radio Women's Hot Topics. That song is so appropriate today because I am with one of the most bravest women I have ever met. Um, today we are going to be talking about a very sensitive subject that I know affects many women in America. It's time we talk about it. This is a safe place for us to discuss the tough topics of this world. And today we're going to talk about domestic abuse. Ladies, many of you are in your homes. You don't even know possibly that you're being abused and it's important that we bring this to the forefront. I have a woman with us that has been nationally known. She's been on social media. She's been international. I can't wait until we introduce her to you. Her name is Nag- Nagme Panay, and she was married to Saheed Abedini. Now, I'm going to say her name a couple times. It's Nagme, like eggnog and may, so you guys get it. <laughs> That's the way she's described it to me. Welcome, Nagme. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, Regan Kramer is my co-guest host with me today, and she's going to explain a little bit about her past. Ladies, listen in. You're going to be riveted to this conversation. Welcome, Nagme. It's so great oh, to have you. thank you, Regan. Oh, it's so great to have you on the show. You have such a fascinating story and we want you to tell most of it. But for our listeners today, uh, many may have prayed for you and your former husband, Saeed Abedini, while he was imprisoned in Iran beginning in 2012. And I was actually one of those people that did pray for you and your your children, um, for you personally for years, and uh, just cried out to God on your behalf. So I know there's a lot of people out there that have done that and other people that have not heard this story that's so important. So here's a little background on Nagme's life. Um, Nagme Panihi was born in 1977 into a Muslim family in Iran and became a follower of Christ at the age of nine, a few months after coming to America. From the time of her conversion, she had a conviction to reach Muslims for Christ. It was this deep conviction for the loss that took her to Iran in 2001. In 2004, she was married to Saeed Abedini and was helping him minister to one of the largest house church networks in Iran with over 2,000 house church members in over 30 cities. That's incredible. Mm. In 2005, she moved back to America and had two children, Rebecca and Jacob. In 2012, her husband, Saeed Abedini, was arrested while visiting Iran. Through God's grace, Nagme was able to bring worldwide attention not only to Saeed's imprisonment in Iran, but also to the plight of the persecuted Christians worldwide. Nagme was given the opportunity to speak on behalf, on his behalf and share the gospel before churches, media such as Fox News, CNN, the United Nations, and Geneva, even President Obama and President Trump. 
A widespread prayer movement was started in the Christian community as a result. And through all of this, no one knew that Nagme was trapped in a dark and abusive marriage. No one knew that Saeed had access to a phone inside of the Iranian prison and his control and abuse of her was continuing from within the prison walls. And Nagme, this is where we want you to tell the story, but I want listeners to know your hope is that God will use your journey to point others to Jesus Christ, who their true source of strength and healing comes from. Mm. I remember this. I also prayed so many times for you, saw it on social media, was just lifting it up to the Lord. And I do believe that through this experience, God is going to be glorified in and through your experience. He doesn't waste anything. Mm -hmm. So Nagme, please share with us a little uh, of your background that we didn't touch on. Um, And then you also talked about what brought you to America. Can you share that with us? Yes, I was born in Iran into a very strong Muslim family. And uh, I, uh, Two years after I was born, there was a revolution and then the war with Iraq. And so all I remember is wars and death and going to school and seeing, you know, houses bombed and so on. So uh, a lot of questions of who God is and why would he allow this? And so me and my twin brother at that time practiced Islam very passionately, trying to reach God. And as the war got worse and worse, there was chemical warfare um, happening. My parents uh, decided to move to America. And so we came to America. Uh, first, we were in California. And within, I want to say, a few weeks, maybe a few months, I can't remember the exact timeline, but it was shortly after that we came, that my twin brother came running to me. Um, again, me and my twin had talked about who is God? Why would he allow war? Why were we seeing our friends die? So we, we had talked about that a lot. And he came running to me and he said, Nagme, I found the God we've been looking for. His name is Jesus. And I was like, what? I'd never heard of that name. I didn't know what he was talking about. And he said, "Um, I saw Jesus. I saw vision. And all I could feel was love. And I know that's the way. And so from that day forth, we just were, we asked someone if they knew who Jesus was and how we would be able to pursue him. And someone gave us a Bible and told us about Jesus. And we prayed and we were baptized in our neighborhood swimming pool. And (laughs) that's how our journey began. That is such an exciting journey. And, you know, I have heard that. that This is not the first time I've heard about God reaching out to Muslims through a vision and a dream. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that you said all he felt was love, that this is what it is. This is our Lord. It's it's a Lord of love. Praise God for that. Mm -hmm. Nagme, what did your parents think when this all happened? You're nine years old, correct? Yes. Um, I I do want to say a lot of Muslims are coming to know Christ through visions. um, And a a lot of my questions, I I quickly want to say this, was answered because I always question God's justice of what what if someone is in Africa and has never heard about Christ. And when I went to Iran, I met a lot of Muslims who, through suffering, you know, maybe a child was dying, something was happening, they would cry out to God. And, um, and and ask God, you know, the God they knew was God of Islam, and that they would just cry out to God and Jesus. They would have a vision of Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So mm-hmm. I just met so many people that would just, there was no missionary, nothing, but they would cry out to God and they would know the truth. Um, as for my parents, they got very angry. They thought it was um, California. Uh, they, they saw the, you know, MTV, Hollywood world as Christians. So they thought it was the corruption of California bringing, you know, 
they they said it's someone at school shared shared you know told you about Jesus because they they were very careful that we didn't hear about it, mm. and so they thought it was California. My dad was going to actually move us back to Iran because he said what's happened what happened to me and my brother at that time was worse than anything he could have imagined, worse than dying in a war. Mm. So as he was contemplating moving us back to Iran. Uh, my, one of my uncles had found a job. He lived in California. He found a job in a place called Boise, Idaho. And so he convinced my parents um, to come to Boise. He said it's secluded it's in the middle of nowhere. Your kids are not going to have that much, you know, uh, interaction with Americans, quote and unquote, and Christians. Mm-hmm. And so their goal was to bring us to Idaho to de-brainwash us back to Islam. Mm-hmm. So that's why we I've been in Boise, Idaho for the last 30 years. <laughs> So you had said that they took your Bible, they took anything that you had that had to do with Christianity, hoping to brainwash that out of you. If you're listening, this is Suge Burry, Him for Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics, and we have a hot topic today that has to be discussed. It's on domestic abuse. And we have with us Nagme Panay, and she was married to Saeed Abedini, and the story is real. You can Google it, ladies. You can look it up. You can see all the journey that she went on. Uh, to help her husband get out of prison in Iran. And we're leading up to that. I just heard now, we've just heard her twin brother led her to Christ um, and uh, introduced and told her about Jesus that he had in a vision, in a dream. And so um, help us understand then, where did Saeed Abedini come in this picture? Well, I since age nine, I was in the U.S. I finished high school and... Um, um, praise God, my parents came to know the Lord uh, mm-hmm. by reading the Bible they had taken from us. <laughs> praise God. Um, Doesn't God have a sense of humor? <laughs> yeah, so um, we had no part of it. We had no idea that the Bible they'd taken from us, they were reading, and, um, you know, God touched their heart, and they became followers of Christ. But it was after I graduated from college that I felt a strong call to go back to Iran, especially um, after September 11, I had already felt the urge, but after September 11, I just had a, I, I really wanted to share the gospel in Iran with my relatives and felt like that was the solution to the chaos in the Middle East um, was Jesus. Mm. And so I, I went to Iran in 2001 and um, met Saeed um, in 2002. I met him as he was part of a government-approved church at that time, and that's how I met Saeed. He was um, very charismatic. My greatest passion in life since age nine has been evangelism, Mm -hmm. and I really, um, I never dated, I never really pursued relationship because I was so focused on Christ, Um, but I I, I thought if I ever marry, it's going to be someone that's as passionate about wanting to reach people for Christ. So Mm -hmm. Saeed was very charismatic, and that's what really drew me to him. Did he have a role in mentoring some of your family? Yes, I had a when I when I went to Iran in two thousand one. Um, I started sharing the gospel with family members, close people that I knew that I would know they wouldn't turn me into the Iranian government. And some of my male cousins had come to know Christ, and I wanted them someone to mentor them. And so when I met Said at that church, I reached I reached out to him. He was very passionate in his worship and. And I reached out to him, and um, I went and talked to him after church, and I asked him if he could mentor my cousins. So he was he started working with um, uh, my cousins that had come to, just recently come to know Christ. And so you got to know him even better in that direction. Yes, because I left actually end of two thousand two after I met Saeed. I um, my cousins were uh, being being discipled by him, 
And but I would hear I came back to America for a few months and I was contemplating if I should go back to Iran or not. I, I felt like I'd done what I was supposed to what I I was supposed to, I, in my in my thinking, I was going to go to Iran for one year mission and come back and live my life back in America and follow the American dream and be a doctor. My brother had become a doctor and um, he was pursuing and ended up becoming a doctor, uh, getting a doctorate in quantum physics. So mm-hmm. my goal was oh, I'll do my Europe mission, then I'll come to America, beca- become a, a medical doctor and uh, move forward with my life and the good life and, you know, American dream. Mm-hmm. But... Um, when my cousin, who was being um, discipled by Saeed, kept messaging me, oh, Saeed comes from radical Islam, and just a lot of things that really attracted me. He like, wow, he had a radical conversion. He was very charismatic. And so because of my cousin's emails to me, I was like, I need to go back and get to know this person yeah. more. So I actually went back to Iran um, probably February or March of 2003. And then how long after that did you get married? About a, uh, we married summer of 2004. So March, I went back February or March, and then May or June we got it, uh, what we call engagement or courtship. Um, and uh, about a year after that, we were married. And after you were married to Saeed, when did the abuse begin? Well, I the, the abuse I couldn't put the word abuse on it. Mm-hmm. But now looking back, it actually started from the moment I met him um, because he started isolating me from all of my friends and family and saying they were bad. He could see God had given him discernment. My parents were not good. My siblings, uh, my cousins um, and my friends. And he was isolating me, which is one of the tools of uh, abuse, Mm -hmm. because the person wants to be the one who controls you and they don't want any other voices in your life Mm -hmm. that could give you alarm. So um, it started early on where I started separating uh, from everyone and he became my only uh, person, the only person I I could talk to or um, process things with because I couldn't trust anyone else as he he was, um, you know, um, telling me. And then also with my own, trusting my own judgment, like he was kind of like, are you sure you want to wear that? Mm, Are you sure you want to eat that? So I wouldn't have called it abuse. But now looking back, Uh it came to a point where, you know, as as we were engaged and got married to a point where I had no connection with anyone except him. He controlled everything from my clothes to what I ate to who I could see and how many hours, for example, as my uh, my kids were born, they could see their cousins once a month for one hour. He would control everything. Um, but at that time, I wouldn't have called it abuse. But now looking back, it's from the moment I met him. Wow. That I was being isolated and I was being groomed to really only trust him and to obey him and on everything. Yeah. And did, did that feel like a slow process or were you, did you? Very ever, slow. Because you didn't really realize it was happening, it sounds like. No, it was very slow. I didn't know even that what uh, you would consider that abuse, but it was very slow of grooming and controlling. And the violence really didn't, the physical violence happened about a year into our marriage. Okay. Um, uh, the physical violence, I mean, uh, full-on beating where I felt like I was going to die. There was little um, bit of violence, I, I would say physical, where throughout our marriage, even our um, dating, where he pushed me around or... Um, like shove me, just things like that, but not full-on beating. The full-on beating happened a year after we were married. And so even it, everything led up, like, 
it just was slow. Even the pushing and shoving, I would have thought if anyone does that, I'm, I'm never going to marry someone like that. But it just happened so gradually. And I started, I would justify it and minimize it. And then it escalated to a full-on beating a year after we were married. And Nagme, did you tell anybody about this abuse? No, because I couldn't put the word abuse on it. Secondly, especially after we were married, Saeed would tell me um, and like put protecting his reputation as my responsibility. Even if he had bad behavior, I was supposed to protect that as a godly wife. And sometimes I would tell my parents something super small that he'd done. And he would find out and he would get very angry. And then I would feel so much shame and remorse. Why did I, you know, share that with my parents, with anyone? I felt so much shame of sharing anything about our marriage or sight to anyone. So except um, I started sharing actually with my pastor and his wife um, when I was pregnant with my daughter in 2005 when we came to America. That's the one person I felt safe. And, and because Sai gave me permission, he's like, okay. You can share with your your pastor, which I was shocked. But at that time, I think what Saeed said, because um, he, when we went to a meeting with my pastor, um, Saeed had said, I want to prove that she's crazy. So the reason he even agreed to meet with my pastor was that he would take his side. Mm. So you explained to your pastor about the, the violence, the beatings, and what was going on. What was your pastor's response? Oh, he was aware of it. Not initially when we came to America in 2005. Um, my pastor was aware that Saeed was partying, possibly seeing other women, was um, uh, watching pornography, those things. And he started taking note of a little bit of violence, like him being harsh. But he didn't know about the beating that had happened a year into our marriage, so 2005. But my pastor's initial um, advice was just submit, be quiet, shut up, don't say anything, cook, clean. And, do you know, let him, you're not his Holy Spirit, let him live however way he wants. And then my pastor's wife, we did a study through Proverbs 31, and she would say, you, uh, basically what we were taught was that if God is to be pleased with you, your husband has to be pleased with you and trust in you. Because so, Proverbs 31, it says, you know, her, her husband trusts in her. Mm-hmm. So gaining your husband's uh, approval is what a godly wife is and what pleases God. So that's what I was taught. In two thousand, um, at two thousand five, when we came back, and uh, but it, but in two thousand seven, when I was pregnant with my son Jacob, things had escalated so bad the violence, and my pastor had actually grown up in a domestic violence situation where his her, his mom had had many many marriages and he'd had abusive stepdad. So when it escalated, and my uh, pastor was eyewitness to a lot of this, he actually told me end of two thousand seven, go somewhere safe, escape to somewhere safe. And that's when I moved in with my parents in, in end of 2007. You know, it's everything I could do to stay in my seat as I get so angry at the injustice that's happened to you. Um, you know, if, those of you who aren't familiar with the Proverbs 31 woman, it's basically a composite portrait um, of a woman. And it was written by uh, Kim Lemuel's mom, and she was writing it to her son on how to find a godly woman. And um, none of us can be that perfection. But except for Jesus Christ, but what this is supposed to do, it's a composite portrait of a strong character, great wisdom, skills, compassion. And part of that is to be a wife um, that submits to her husband. Now, you guys, I've done a show on can submission be sexy. I want you guys to listen to it. 
Find it on iTunes, uh, Him for Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics, and discover what does Scripture really say about submission and what does it not mean uh, regarding submission. And that will answer a lot of your questions. Uh, We only have a few minutes left, sadly, because we have so much to cover. We're going to do a part two, so I want to encourage you ladies to listen to that as well. We are here with Nagme Panay, and she was married to Sahid uh, Abedini, and she is telling her story, very public story, of how she was married to Saeed, and when he was arrested and put in prison in Iran, um, she lobbied on behalf of him, but all of these things were happening beforehand. And so we're giving you a little bit of background to understand. But ladies, if you're out there and this is happening to you, Reagan, do you have the hotline for us that they can call? Yes, the domestic abuse hotline is 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 7233. 1-800-799-7233. There's an advocate available to talk confidentially 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. It's the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Anywhere in the country, ladies. It doesn't matter where you live. You can call there and that they will be there for you. My heart really beats um, and gets a little bit frustrated um, when love in Scripture is so clear. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it just, you know, Jesus Christ is clear about that. And it says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, but do not be harsh with them. And that couldn't be any more clear. And so my heart breaks for you, Nagme, as I hear about your struggle and, and what had happened. So the church originally swept it under the rug. Then he said to go ahead, and, and eventually he said, go ahead and find a safe place to be. Um, how has your faith in God and his word played a role during these abusive times? I would say my fa- one of my favorite Bible verses is Psalm one nineteen seventy one, where it says, my suffering was good for me, for it helped me to pay attention to your decrees. Um, it has brought me closer to the Lord. You know, I remember, it reminds me of where all these disciples left Jesus because he was talking about, you know, eating of his body and drinking of his blood. And, and then he looks at his disciples and said, are you going to leave me? And Peter says, we have nowhere else to go. Mm-hmm. I, in my suffering, he, Jesus was my only source mm-hmm. of everything. And I couldn't. I, I never was mad or, um, you know, because I went to Iran as a missionary. I wanted to share the gospel. I ended up in a very abusive marriage, but I, I was never mad at God. I was um, drew closer to God and, uh, pay, you know, read his work very carefully and prayed and actually suffering, any suffering in my life, including the war that brought me to Christ, the war in Iran, all of my suffering, I can look back and say, that was good for me. That brought me closer in my relationship with God. It was good for me spiritually. And, you know, I hope and pray that God would be glorified through all of it. And it's good for me, but he also uses it for his his glory. Yes. Yes. Amen for that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, speak it, sister, is what I want to say. I love that. Um, I'm going to close up um, in just a minute here. But again, ladies, if you're listening, and this domestic abuse is happening to you, it happens gradually, as she's mentioned, um, and, and all of a sudden you're in it. And, you know, my sister, Leanne, who has worked in um, domestic abuse shelters for a very long time, has said this. She said, it is such a lonely place when you're being abused and you feel like you're alone. Ladies, you're not alone. We are here for you. Him for her radio. We, we're going to unify with you. The hotline is one 800 799 
1-800-273-7233. Call it and connect with the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Reagan, would you please pray us out for those who might not know Jesus Christ? Lord, you say in this world we will have trouble, but God, you also say take heart because you have overcome the world. And God, we thank you and praise you that no matter what we go through, whatever suffering occurs to us on this earth, that you were there for us, that you love us. And God, you have a plan for us. So if there is a woman out there that has not said yes to you, God, that hasn't turned away from her sins and surrendered her life completely to you, God, may right now in this moment they say, yes, Jesus. Mm-hmm. I want to turn the other way and run to you because, God, your arms are always open to each mm-hmm. woman. Thank you, Jesus, that you have a plan for them and you love them in your perfect name. Amen. Ladies, this is Shugbury with Reagan Kramer, Women's Hot Topics. Thank you, Nagme. We are going to do part two. Please listen in. Until next time, I love you.